Technorama episode 702 for February 15, 2023. We're titling this one, They Shot Down the Technorama Blimp! Ah! Hey, welcome to Technorama, the show that takes a lighthearted look at tech, science, sci-fi, and all things geek. We've got a viewer joining us! All right, we got what? somebody live. Yep, somebody joined us. My name is Chuck Tomasi from sunny Phoenix, Arizona. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome or welcome back to Technorama. Watching, listening, whatever you're doing out there, we make this a multi-channel experience. Ooh, sounds fancier when we call it an experience, doesn't it? Joining me yeah. right over there is Craig Stepp. How are you, Craig? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? <laughs> good. He's going to learn to look the right way sooner. <laughs> Well, I'm looking at myself reversed on the screen. And, so and am I. So. I just know Craig's over by the window. Over <laughs> by the window. Just put a That's picture right. of me over on your on your. I'm right gonna get a cardboard standout. <laughs> you and your bow tie. Wave, wave to the guy, the little teddy bear with a bow tie on him. All right, right. Thank you so much. We are in what is it mid. February now, moving into late February. Oh my god. We're moving into mid-February here. Well, yeah, pretty much. Oh man, time is flying, Craig. I've got like five business days left to work in the month because we are going on the Star Trek cruise and I'm looking at my goals for February. Yeah. But I'm done. I don't know what I'm gonna get done in time because I'm gonna get we're gonna get back on March 6th and go, well, now it's mid-March. God, did you did you take off the entire week of the cruise? Uh, well, we that week. Well, yeah, we're getting back Friday afternoon. No, no, no. no. I mean, you said you had five working days, so the two or so days before the cruise are. Did you well, take there's off three the days. Week? We're we're I, we're taking off Thursday and Friday, and then there's like a marketing all hands kickoff thing going on a Tuesday. Like, mm. oh, this is gonna be of tough. course. This is gonna be tough. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So um lot got a lot going on. I there's something looming. I've got to take care of work at, at work. And I'm thinking I gotta be able to pull this off this week because uh-huh. uh I might otherwise it's just gonna have to wait till March. It's down to priorities. We lost our viewer. <laughs> they, Talking about priorities. They thought the commercials were better than us, and that's saying something. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hey, begin with our. Hey, we should have yeah. played. We should have played the the the, fo- oh the football. Remember the football goal? Oh, oh no, that was like a three part series that we, in, we interleaved yeah. in the show. That was uh, fun. Uh, yeah, like it was it. fun. Yeah. Maybe next year. <laughs> maybe it'll maybe it'll be uh, uh, with the better commercials in the Super it'll, Bowl. It'll age with it'll age better with like fine yeah. wine and cheese. Let's do our history then. Oh wait, no, we've got feedback first. Yeah. What am Hold I up. doing? Wait a minute, no kidding. Now, we are recording this as the Super Bowl is playing in the background, so uh, Craig's title says Chief Architect on the video. Does that mean you're rooting for Kansas City? Huh? Yeah. Uh, no. I don't oh, know. okay. I don't have a dog in this fight. <laughs> Me neither. Our question of the week last week was, if you could go back in time and witness a historic moment, which would you choose? And Sweet Steve London says, 
The Charge of the Light Brigade, October 25th, 1854, or Pickett's Charge at Bull Run, June 3rd, 1863. Wow, he knows his American history. He also says, or Stockholm, August 10th, 1628, to witness Vasa's maiden voyage. The Vasa. That would be cool. The oversized ship that just went out on a maiden voyage and tipped over because it was too oh, top-heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, Fritz Ulrich uh, Seward says, uh, Butch Cassidy burying his stash. Hmm, that's a good one. Thus knowing the exact spot. Then, back in our time, I could go find it, getting rich and famous. I think he, I see him doing this, you know, rubbing his hands together saying that. Wow. The only caveat, the only caveat uh, although I'm Able to operate a GPS device back in time, it wouldn't work. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you went, oh, it's, you know, 15 paces from that rock. It's like, who's to say that rock's going to be there in, you know, a couple hundred Remember years? Remember Yellowbeard? Go two steps and then tumble and then uh, stumble this way. Remember that movie? No. I don't think I saw oh, Yellowbeard. It had, most, it had mostly uh, Monty Python people in it. A yellow beard. He had a, uh, he tattooed what the map of his treasure on the top of his son's head. And when, uh, when they went to go get it, it was stuff like he was trying to remember how to get to it. It was like, uh, stumble, stumble this way, stumble once. And then I do remember uh, seeing something about that. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it, anyway. All right. John Kratzer says construction of ENIAC. Ooh, hmm. I think we have. A historic moment about the ENIAC. We have footage from that. We have an ENIAC in the back room. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Lone Guys Night says first accessible space shuttle launch that or the Apollo 11 launch. So you'd want to go there. I mean, I was alive for both of those, but mm-hmm. you know, actually being at the Apollo 11 launch, I thought it would be fun just to go back in time and like see your neighborhood before it was developed, like when it was woods, or or in my case. You know, the side of a desert hill. So yeah. where exactly is my... It would be hard to place that because, you know, the bulldozer and the excavators, they come through and they do their thing. Yeah. Where exactly well, was my house? Well, here, here in my hometown, um, there's a there's a book, uh, a, and it has... Uh, it was talking about the um, the town early, early on and some mm-hmm. of the history, and it had pictures uh, of the main drag, which is Cherry Road. That's a... It's one of the main roads... Uh, you know, down, down yeah. the town. Anyway, so uh, there's a, uh, a picture of Mr. Cherry in like a, in like a car going down a dirt road. And I'm like, that's like right where there's this little strip mall <laughs> where, where well, it is exactly. today. It would be so hard yeah. to recognize those landmarks today. Or if you went back in time, where are those? I, I remember, um, underneath, uh, Atlanta, Jackson, Hertzfield in- international airport, They've got the walkways between the different um, terminals. Yeah. And if I've got time, you know, say you've got an hour or so before your flight, take a walk down there and they've got this historic timeline of the city. And you, as you go from terminal to terminal to terminal and, and finding those streets and then looking on the map going, where is that today? Does it even still exist? Is the, Oh yeah. It's, it's really fascinating. I, I guess that comes from growing up in an old town. Well, old in American terms, that uh, I'd, I'd look at this lithograph and go, hey, you know, the town ended at this street and that street, but now it's vastly spread out. So you're just kind of getting the perspective of what was there in the past or before it was there, what was there. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, that picture I was just telling you about where he was driving on the dirt road. Yeah. Uh, right right behind him is probably where uh, the university is at. That, you know, we had <laughs> There's a, like nothing. There were some pictures know. like that in Appleton. Like, here he, they are out on County Road A. I'm like, okay, I think the police department's there now. <laughs> right. And it's, right. it looks like this country road with nothing but two-lane dirt road, some ditches and telephone poles going... Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> now, yeah. now there's a roundabout just ahead of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, what else do we have? Let's see. Weber Baker says, uh, uh, Philippides uh, entering the assembly to declare victory over the Battle of Marathon. Okay. okay. I, he says, okay, a little creepy wanting to watch a naked man claim victory in a language I don't speak just to see if he really collapses. I, I know right. it's probably um, blasphemous, but I would mm-hmm. like to go back and discover who Jesus really was, how he died, what the events were to just like validate how much of this is historic document. But I know that goes against yeah. what faith is. You know, if you think about what he said to Thomas, you know, happy are those mm-hmm. who believe but do not see. So right. yeah, it would, I, in a way I'd feel kind of cheated if I did that, like looking at the answers in the back of the book. <laughs> well, it's a, it's certainly a fun thought exercise for sure. But, right. Uh, okay. You uh, have a couple of comments on your share. Yep. So our buddy Mark Kilfoyle says with all that time, oh my gosh, I'm gonna let you read that one. Okay, with all that time to choose, how can I select just one? I'd give you three. June 14th, 1947 or thereabouts, in Roswell, New Mexico. I'd mm-hmm. really like to see with my own eyes, with my modern lens, and with modern lenses of photography equipment, just what crashed in the desert. Sometime before April 1st, 1976, to see what a young pair of Steves were up to in a garage and experience <laughs> the founding days of Apple with a pair oh. of very different nerds. That could be fun, yeah. Here, here's another one. Sometime between the 12th and 18th century, when the original depositors were landing, building and burying on Oak Island. Honestly, if the show about the search is all a- at all accurately, uh, I'm going to try that again. I have been drinking. Mm-hmm. Is at all <laughs> accurate, the entire island should be watching on Fast Rewind to see if the sheer number of groups who were involved at different times. And a bonus one. Okay. It could be any of the events in the very busy Jesus life. Hey, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> that's right. I did not read this beforehand, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but maybe I'd pick the miracle of loaves and fishes to get a view of what technology he was using and try to get a glimpse of the spacecraft he or his father arrived in. <laughs> <laughs> Although the latter is likely to be lost by the point. So maybe I need to go back to the beginning when the ship landed. And now I can't think of a dozen more. Also. Hey, wait a minute. It sounds like he's describing the life of Brian. Or Star Trek. Any sufficiently yeah, advanced the alien, technology. The, the spaceship. And yeah. Life of Brian. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I'm going to finish this and then I got a comment to yeah, go yeah. back to Jesus. Actually, back to Moses. Uh, mm. Also, this is prominent among the reasons why the doctor exists and has appeal to so many. And of course, the interesting science fictional implications of a device that allows us to view any point in time in the past, such as privacy, deliberate mythology, disillusionment, discovery, and the FOMO, if you're missing out, logical addiction mm-hmm. of a fire hose of infinite details, both grand and tiny. Okay, now, 
There, I, I, I mentioned on our topic is no. I'm, I think I mentioned this on this show. What have we been watching lately? When we had Clinton on last yep. week? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of historical documentaries because Paramount Plus has a live TV channel, and there's a limited number of these things. So I'm starting to see yeah. repeats. But I watched one on the ten plagues of Moses, and they attribute all of them mm-hmm. to the right time frame when the island of Santorini, I forget the name of the volcano, but Santorini is just off Greece. It blew and it blew big. And they said, the sulfur in the water turned the river red. It drove all the frogs out. They died on the land. They killed, you know, they killed this. And even the ergot in the wheat that it was, it was a mold that killed all the firstborn. It can all be attributed to the sequence of events of Santorini blowing up. So, wow. wow. The, 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 still, the mystery is how did Moses know that was going to happen? So, there you go. So, yeah. you, you can mix science and religion just fine. Uh, sure, absolutely. It, now, you know, the fishes and loaves, another good one to look into. How was that done? Or water to wine? Very good question. Okay. Michael Slobodnik also says, Jornada del Muerto on yep. July 16, 1944, 5 29 a.m. I have to go look that up. I'm not familiar with that. What that is? Do you know? Uh, absolutely not. It'd be Hornada de Merto. Then yes, yeah, you said it wrong. I didn't know what language it was until I was halfway through that line. Um, and then I got one from Gary Lindros, and he says, "Ve Day in Times Square." Oh, that yep. would be like the ultimate party, wouldn't it? Wow, I would think so. When World yeah. War II was finally done, done, done. Gary try and slip in and kiss that nurse. <laughs> and and become the <laughs> that giant statue in San Diego. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think that'll work. All right. We also have one from Mad Marv. He said, if I could go back in time, I'd go back to the 1930s Honolulu. Basically, okay. my hometown around the time my grandparents were born. I remember a few stories from them and how the city was how the city was back then and i'd like to see what honolulu was like before it built up that is an awesome idea i would love also love to go and see snippets of like real life from my grandparents my great-grandparents where they what they did way back in when they were still in italy or you know just trace back your lineage and what kind of one of those um you know uh back to the future moments where you're talking to your relatives but they don't know who you are yeah um and, and, you know, maybe sneak in a few pictures or videos with your phone. Well, well as you're talking about going, we were just talking about looking back and, uh, seeing what the area looked like before it built up. My first thought was back to the future when he go when he travels to the past and he's stops the DeLorean and there's like the, uh, the entrance to his neighborhood, but yeah. the neighborhood's not built out yet. Get used to those bars, uncle Joey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw this in a rerun. What's a rerun? Yeah, what's a rerun? So uh, well, you know my, my mom says that her dad was very clever, and she's given me a few snippets of what he said over the years. I would love to talk to that guy. I think he'd have that, you know, snappy witticism, kind of mm-hmm. comeback, clever, thought-out response. I would love to pick his brain and just sit down and have a conversation with him. Before I, I, you know, I knew who he was, but by the time I got to know who he was, he was pretty much a shell of a man from alcoholism. Oh, wow. Wow. 
But uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, I'm going to play out the history. We're going to have another question for you. Not the history. I'm going to play out the feedback. <laughs> another question for you at the end of the show. That's right. Into the history then. On this day in history, for February 15, 2023. Oh, happy Valentine's, everybody. Hey, happy hey, Valentine's Day to you, Chuck. Thank you. I'll, I'll put something in the <laughs> shoebox on your desk. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, this is the 46th day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. There are 319 days remaining in 2023. We do have a fact about the Gregorian calendar coming up. But before we get wow. there, it was on this date in 1493. Well, on board the Nina, Christopher Colombo. Wrote an open letter. I guess I was like, like open source back then, which was widely distributed upon his return to Portugal, describing his discoveries and the unexpected items he came across in the New World. Hey, Christopher Colombo. Uh, let me see. Uh, uh, just one. Try to paint thing. a mental picture here. One uh, more thing here, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, there's there's naked people. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. It was. It was 153 years ago today that Stevens Institute of Technology was founded in New Jersey, U.S., and offered the first Bachelor of Engineering degree in mechanical engineering. 153 years ago, we got mechanical engineers officially. Hey, is there another New Jersey outside of the U.S.? Maybe. There's Old Jersey, which is (laughs) in, it's like York and New York. And new New York, but we won't go there. I just thought it was sounded funny. We had to qualify with the U.S. February 15, 1923, Greece became the last European country to adopt the Gregorian calendar. Look, folks, you kind of took your own sweet time of a couple hundred years on this yeah. one. Come on, pick it up. And that same date in 1946, we've already talked about this once today, the ENIAC, the first electronic general purpose computer, was formally Oh, it was formerly dedicated at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Gerald Lancaster Harding. I had to say that slow because it didn't make sense at first. Oh. And Roland DeVoe began excavations at Cave One of the Qumran Caves, where they would eventually discover the first seven Dead Sea Scrolls. On that date in 1949, I've been there. I have a picture of my daughter standing right in front of that little opening. Wow. And that same date in 1941, the decimalization... You mean 71? Uh, the... 1971. You said 41. 41. Oh. Okay. Uh, same date in 1971, the decimalization of the currencies in the United Kingdom and Ireland was completed on Decimal Day. Happy Decimal Day, everyone. Put your dot on it. Point zero zero one. It was right. 51 years. You know what they were converting? They were converting the currency. So instead of guineas and shillings and yes. pence, it was now like 110, 100 stuff. 51 years ago today, the sound recordings were were granted U.S. federal copyright protection for the first time. Sound this, recordings. This, okay. this podcast is copyright. Wow. Only 51 years ago? That doesn't seem that long ago for something like that. 1972. Uh, also today in uh, 2001, the first draft of the complete human genome was published in Nature. We'll talk about that a little later when we get to the remote section. It was also on this date in 2013 that a meteor exploded over Russia. That was 10 years ago today. Oh, yeah. Chelyabinsk. Wow. Injuring 1,500 people, a shockwave that blows out windows and rocks buildings. This happened unexpectedly only hours before the expected closest ever approach of the larger and unrelated asteroid 2012 DA-14. Hmm. 
All right, so happy birthday goes out on this date to Italian astronomer, physicist, and mathematician Galileo Galilei, born on this date in, ni- in 1564. Galileo, Galileo, Galileo. Okay. American <laughs> journalist and businessman co-founded the International Harvester, Cyrus Harvester. No, Cyrus McCormick yeah. was born 214 years ago. He was that I, IH has been around a long time. It has been a long time. Uh, born February 15th. 1812, American businessman founded the Tiffany and Company, Charles Lewis Tiffany. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Irish mathematician, academic, and activist Sophie Bryant was born 173 years ago today. And Spiru Haret, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Romanian mathematician, astronomer, and politician, 55th Romanian minister of internal affairs, was born on that same date. In 1851. That's where Romaine lettuce comes from, I think. Yeah. Born February 15th, 1861, English mathematician and philosopher Alfred North Whitehead. And Charles Oudid. (laughs) Edouard Guillaume. I know. Edouard Guillaume, a Swiss-French physicist and academic Nobel Prize laureate, was born on that same date in 1861. German-Swedish biochemist and academic Nobel Prize laureate Hans von Euler-Schelpen was born on this date in 1873. And American actor and comedian Harvey Korman was born, uh, yeah, born 96 years ago today. Oh, Love Boris! That. Boris! Can we get in <laughs> another hanging today? <laughs> also, I'm sorry, I, I don't know if we can work it in. I'll check my calendar, sir. Also yeah. turning 89 today, a Swiss computer scientist created the Pascal programming language, Nicholas Wirth. American animator, producer, screenwriter, Matt Groening was born on this date in 1954. Eat my shorts, man. Yeah. Also turning 59 today is American engineer and astronaut Leland D. Melvin. And last but not least, American comedian and actor Chris Farley was born on this date in 1964. Woo! Well, we made it to the end of the events. We'll get the birthdays in a second. I just want to hear the yeah. end of the song. There you go. Listener birthdays for the week of February 15th through 21st include Philip from Australia on February 15th. Happy birthday to you. 17th, Bob Trait, formerly of Megapodtastic and Action Figure Junkies. Hot John Miller, also formerly of Megapodtastic. Well, on the 18th. (laughs) Joe, you got to do some spreading out here, buddy. Yeah. Another birthday on the 18th, Roy Insalaco from Central Village, Connecticut. Scooter in Connecticut, Steve in Sumter, and Steve Cody in South Carolina are all on the 19th. Happy birthday to all of you. And it is if it's your birthday this week, between February 15th and the 21st, between the, the chiclets and the erasers, just on this shelf only. Okay, that was a little too specific. Happy birthday to all of you. We wish you all the best. And we will give you... A shout out, if you put your name on the birthday calendar, just go to the link that Craig's going to show on the bottom of the screen, which is going to read chuckchat.com slash birthday. We'll get you your information. Look at there. Tim Elliott's in the chat room tonight. Hey, Tim. Haven't seen you in a while, Tim. How's it going? Good to see you. Good to see you. A long time listener. He goes way, way, way back. Oh, yeah. He's as old as we are. Or older. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's do some news, shall we? He's at least as old as the podcast is. How about that? Let's see. Where's my impending news? Um, I can't find impending news. We'll just do this one. 
Good startling news, everyone. Okay, this is good startling news if you think about it. Because scientists are working on reincarnating a woolly mammoth in mm. four years. They've been working on this for a couple already, according hey, to popular What mechanics. could possibly go wrong? Jurassic Park, anyone? Just because we can do a thing doesn't mean we should do a thing. What movies have you not been watching lately? It never yeah, goes right. well. Now, there's this company called Colossal, which I guess they didn't want to call themselves Mammoth to limit themselves <laughs> to one product. Uh, a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> yeah. It's too soon. It's too soon. Uh, they scored an, an additional $60 million in funding to continue their research that they started in 2021. And uh, I did click through the dive deeper that says maybe we shouldn't resurrect a woolly mammoth. And I'm right. tending to agree because they're using most of the DNA, like 99.6% is the same as an Indian elephant. So yes. uh, you know, they'll just splice in the rest. So it's not going to be a pure mammoth. It's going to be a woolly fant or mammothant, whatever they're calling it. A mammoth. That, yeah, I think well, that's it's a hybrid. One. It's not a. It's, yeah. yeah, but it's mostly well. I mean, mostly elephant with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, they're using the CRISPR technology, which we've all been keeping up on, right? Where you can splice in yep. just the right genes to do this trick, and mm -hmm. they've got the genes from some of the tusks that were pre preserved in Siberia. So in the other article, it says maybe that's not such a good idea because we don't know why the woolly mammoths kind of went out of date. There was this ice age from 1.1 million years ago to about 11,000 years ago that uh, the climate changed, it warmed up, and woolly mammoths kind of went along with a lot of so, other large. So they're gonna they're gonna fauna. grow one, and it's it's like the temperature is what it is today, uh, even so, warmer than when they yeah. went extinct. Right, well, that's what I'm getting at. My yeah, other so. thing about elephants is they pass a lot of their knowledge, like how to behave, what to eat, where to find salt licks, et cetera, et cetera, through tradition, through memory. The matriarch will take them on this. Have you ever watched a di an elephant documentary? They're pretty fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're the first mammoth that grows up and they go, okay, little guy, go out into the wild. So you're going to go, what the hell do you want me to do yeah. out here? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to die. I don't know what to eat. I don't know where to go. They are thinking that introducing mammoths could have a positive impact on the environment because their, their migration trails, they actually pack down the tundra and mm -hmm. they'll keep snow in place longer and they'll, they'll do better things for the soil that they were part of this, this ecosystem. Well, that was part of the ecosystem, you know, 10,000 years ago. Yeah. Plants Let's say things changed a little bit. Right? Things have changed a lot a bit and we're getting even warmer. So they're going to go, who picked the wrong day to wear a sweater. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> right. not, I don't hey. think this makes sense. I mean, from a scientific standpoint, I applaud them for bringing back an extinct species. But are they going to suddenly start introducing conflict between humans? Like this mammoth comes by and, you know, pushes down all your, your ice fishing shanties going, well, got to shoot them. You know, it, it's just. How do you know they don't like to stomp people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Okay, it's warmer than it was in the Ice Age. Hey, Chad, you need to shave the woolly mammoth again. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Well, that was your turn. Yeah. So, oh, look, it, we get, I, from from the standpoint of bringing back an extinct species, I think that's cool. You know, yeah. we could do that with dodos. We could do that idea. with um, 
you know, what they call the Tasmanian tiger, the, the lycopene, lycosine. I, I can't remember. No, lycopene is a drug. Um, liger. The liger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the saber-toothed cat, maybe. So right. there's lots of potential positives to this. Um, but again, you have to look at ethically, does it make sense? Yeah. It's, hey, it's, in order to have a viable population, you can't just, you, you need a couple hundred of these things just in North America yeah. alone. So yep. yeah, are we going to build up a zoo? I, I and where is that going to? Yeah. I, I, right. it's, it's I'm I'm kind of skeptical on this one. Like, well, speaking of ancient animals, look, we got digital Dan Hook in there tonight. Woohoo! Ancient yeah. animals. And then wow, you're pretty cruel. <laughs> Fifty nine in May. We're yeah. right up there with you, buddy. Oh man, podcasting since the my I was in my thirties. Moving into what that'll be the fourth decade when I get into the 60s. Oh man. Okay. That's right. Let's hope we're keep still going. Okay, let's move on to the next article. The sun, part of the sun is broken. And scientists are baffled. This is a sun from indie100.com. Not, not good. Well, it's not it doesn't sound catastrophic like broken as in we're in danger. What they discovered yeah. is you've got coronal mass ejections, which is kind of go you know, they, they right. spew out photons, protons, and plasma away mm -hmm. from the sun. Well, this is kind of like that. What they discovered is along about 55 degrees latitude, the sun put forth this uh, kind of like a CME. And it, it just sort of hung around and moved north, almost like northern lights for the sun. And it just yep. stays there for a few days and then goes away. And this happens like every four years or so during solar maximum. Solar maximum being this 11-year cycle where you've got you know, high activity of sunspots and low activity of sunspots. We're moving yep. towards solar maximum again. So right. if you're in northern latitudes and you want to see some northern lights, that's a pretty cool thing. But this, I, it, the, the article really didn't give me the oh my gosh moment or that's, that's fascinating. They just say, it's very curious. There's a big why question around it. Why does it only move toward the pole one time and then disappears and then comes back magically three or four years later at the exact same region? Okay, that it, it, it's it's a nice intro piece, but I don't know that they actually answered any questions. The headline was more sensational no, a, than the rest of the article. Thank you, yeah, Harry Fletcher. To, yeah, something to think about. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a lot. There was obviously so much that we don't know about the sun. That's where I was then, going next. Yeah, and then when these things, when things like this happen, it it's just natural for it only because of the the way things are moving around there, and we just don't know. That's the big point: is we don't know, but we are always learning and observing. And maybe somebody will go, "Oh, this is tied to something else, or this is caused by, or or yep, it happens. It's just kind of like." Just like our, our core reverses um, polarity about every 26,000 yeah. years. Yeah. Which is interesting because isn't that the same, roughly the same period of time the world takes, the earth takes to process? You know, it's got that wobble on its axis. Oh, yeah. I thought that was about 25 or 26,000 years also. Hmm. I don't know. I wasn't there last time. Maybe it's once around the, the, the loop and then click and then yeah. the poles reverse. Right. Imagine if that happened. And I think it's due any day now. What would that do to GPS? Right. What would that do to compasses? What would that do to a lot of stuff? It's like, yeah, that, that pole flipping thing is kind of Well, freaky. I, yeah, well, they acted like it wasn't a big deal. 
uh, are big as the deals you think. So, and it's not like know. you can predict it. Like, oh, Y two K or the twenty thirty seven, you know, Unix time thing is coming. It's like, yeah. oh, when it happens, it happens. We're well, I remember, there. I remember being in school playing with magnets and you know learning about the the, the poles and imagine everything you learned is now backwards. <laughs> North is south, south is north. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be like will still repel and opposites will yeah. still attract. That's not going to change. No, I know. Right. I'm just saying the north and the south part. All right. Should we move on to our third news story? Yes. Let's do it. IBM says it's been running an AI supercomputer since May, but chose now to tell the world. Thank you. So long story short, there's two options you have for building a supercomputer. One is to build it on-premise, use bare metal, and build your way up. Makes mm-hmm. it much more performant. To make it much more scalable and deployable is build it in the cloud with VMs. IBM chose the latter. That's what I got out of this story. Yep. Not sure what else to say about it. You know, They go into some of the specs about the machines that they actually provided, Second it's gen running. Xeon scalable processors configured with 1.5 terabytes of DRAM, 3.2 terabyte NVMe flash drives, plus 880 no, gigabytes. You missed Nvidia. the surprising part. It's running on three Raspberry Pis. That would be impressive. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Apple IIs or C64s yeah. for a minute. No, but. I thought this was interesting because they everybody's been up in arms about chat GPT and how it's changing the world. And Bard. All this Bard, I was changing their stock value. Uh, uh, and then you get something like this and go, oh, we've actually been running this, uh, running the super, supercomputer out in the wild since May. Yeah. You know, so what has it been doing? But they're not making it public at this point. It's for research uh, scientists only. It's not, you, there's mm-hmm. no APIs that you can tie in like Chat GPT. No, no. So I just thought it was interesting, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot going into AI right now. Yes, there is. And that's a good news for everyone. Mm-hmm. Good it news is good day. news for everybody. Good news, everyone. There we go. It, it, we've been confirmed. Cubert says confirmed. it's fine. Uh, let's go into the Hex and Strange stories. Apparently, we need to have uh, like a holy Christmas for the Gibbons. Gibbons <laughs> being primates. Because yeah, it's like a, hey, it's like a Jesus theme tonight, right? We're on we're on Jesus tonight because Japanese zookeepers um, found a female gibbon who lived by herself in a cage who gave birth. Like, whoa, how'd that happen? Did yeah? Did you know an angel show up and go, fear not? What, what's the what's the gibbon's name? It didn't say. Twelve year old white handed monkey at the Kujukushima Zoo at Botanical Garden. Uh, does it give her name? Nope. I don't see her name in here. Uh, but anyway, what they found was she's got, there's a male in an adjacent cage and there's a wall between them, but there's one metal plate with a nine millimeter hole in it. (laughs) So she backed up to this thing and... (laughs) Yeah, it was it was the Gibbon version of a glory hole, and that's that, all she wrote. That's what it was. Come on, yeah. That, I, it, I'm just saying. It's a monkey it's, glory. Wow, that's a uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so they figured out how she got pregnant. I was like, yeah, 
Carl, you left the <laughs> you left the feeding tube open again. Right. So, yeah, no miracle here. But uh, yeah, they're going to yeah, take did, care it of the It did baby. sound interesting when I first read it. There, I was like, "What?" A gibbon who lived alone in her cage had a baby from CTV News. All right, let's give a shout out to the chat room. We mentioned Digital okay. Dan Hook, hey, Tim Elliott. I will, yeah. By the way, I will say this. Uh, I know I didn't. I must. I didn't pick the best stories for tonight. Oh, they're fine. They gave us something to talk about. Yeah. Some humor moments. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. All right. Unless, we, unless it's a balloon or AI, there's really not much to talk about this week. <laughs> or more more hidden documents from a dead uh, a president. Right. They're, they're going to be digging up uh, John F. Kennedy, find out if he had any documents in his tomb. Oh. Tear down the Lincoln Memorial, see if there's any documents in his head. Might be. And just wait, Mount Rushmore. We're coming for you. That's right. Okay, so we are around Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern. We got to change our template document. We will be uh, oh. hanging around. If you happen to be hanging out on Sundays at 8 p.m., we'll be here one more week recording on the 19th, Sunday, February 19th at, 9, at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then we're taking a week off because we will be on the Star Trek cruise. So just letting you know that. We need, we need a quick break and some inspiration for some new crazy ideas. Going to meet up with some other podcasters, including, uh, I believe, John Chamberlain, or Champion, John, uh, John Champion, sorry, from The Trek Files is going to be on there. Did we set a date and time where we're going to? Not yet, but we'll get there when we get closer. All right. We, we need to see what the itinerary looks like. And let's give a shout out to our patrons. Thank you, thank you, thank you, dear patrons. You are making this show possible by allowing us to afford the bandwidth, the streaming, the hosting, the domain registrations. All the expenses that go into this come to about $1,200 a year. That's just like the bare minimum, the storage. Uh, and with your help, we can make that happen. And we greatly, greatly appreciate that to all of our existing patrons and anyone who thinks this show is entertaining, informative, or some combination <laughs> thereof, we invite you to go over to patreon.com slash podcast and take a look. We've got various levels. So as little as a dollar a show, we'd love to, or maybe you want to do a one-time donation. We appreciate that too. If you reach certain tiers, like there's postcards, there's t-shirts, we've got different levels and different thank yous we send back to you throughout the year. <laughs> Craig and I, excuse me, not sure what happened there. Yeah. Craig and I have an idea while we're on the cruise <coughs> to send you something special. So all the patrons are going to get something special. We're going to pick up seashells from all the places <laughs> we stop. Oh, with, with the hermit crabs inside them. They're the best. <laughs> Still alive. We'll see, if, we'll see if they make it through TSA. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So thank you, Alexis Duran, Amber Elstead, Amy Bowen, Abner Braverman, Ben Vaughn. Thank you, Brian Brown, Chris Martinez, Chris MC, Dandy Man Coyer. Thank you very much, Dean Jensen, Denise Inglis, Gary Lindros. Bam. John Clifford, John Noble, Yorga Schrauen, Crazy Joe Adventures, Kyle Nishioka, who we read his message before as Mad Marv, Leon, Mark Kilfoyle, Brad Miller, Mike Wills, Saturday Morning Media. Just listened to him this morning. Stephen Weshy, Steve Therian, Steve Cody, Steve London, and Tim Cook. Thank you, thank you, everybody who makes this happen. Again, go over to Chuck, excuse me, patreon.com slash 
Technorama podcast. We should come up with our own link shortener, Craig. It's kind of crazy. We can. We, we can, can do that. We can. We'll figure that part out later. We have the technology. We have we we have the technology. We could run it on our own server. Okay. That means we'd have to register another domain, and that would increase our expenses. <gasps> hey, by the way, yes, uh, I will put in the show a link to the show notes. We have a couple of, I got a couple of shirts, um, uh, and Gary bought one. He bought one. Yes, taking around my podcast. It says established two thousand five. I'm not wearing it tonight, but uh, if you want to buy that, uh, I got a couple other shirts on there. I'll put a link to my storefront on the in the show notes. So I'm you can bringing that one on the cruise for a podcaster meetup. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Patreon.com slash Technorama Podcast. We've dwelt on that too much. Let's go on to Pass Me the Remote. I've spent a lot of time this last week watching a lot of reruns. Old Star Trek TNG, old Twilight Zone. And you know what? Yeah, I I have two. That's why I didn't really have anything new. I even started in on that uh, series that Clinton said he was watching, Dangerous Assignment, which is kind of fun for an old, you know, early 60s black and white kind of kind of detective show. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not top-notch quality, but it's it's still fun on Amazon. But I did watch a couple of new things. One is called The Founder on Netflix. It's the story yes. of McDonald's and uh not Tom Hanks. Michael Keaton. Michael P. Keaton plays Ray Kroc. That's right. Who who really took the franchising of the McDonald's brothers who were out in San Bernardino, California. Starts out with his story. He's trying to sell these multi-mixers for making milkshakes to these drive-ins and nobody's buying them. He's kind of hard up. He's had a few other ideas that have failed. So his reputation in the industry is kind of... Well, tainted. Tainted, yeah. Because when he goes to the bank and says... I need a loan for my McDonald's store in Des Plaines, Illinois. And it's still there. If you happen to be in the area, go see. It even has a plaque out front. This is Ray Kroc started this. He called that store number one, but it is not because the McDonald's that the McDonald's brothers started in San Bernardino, they were the ones who came up with this efficient system of making burgers, selling them cheap, having this assembly line, almost like a a Henry Ford style assembly line of the hamburgers to just crank them out so that your order was from order to done in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, And then Ray came in, took the idea, said, hey, we can do franchising. They went, we already tried that, but quality control wasn't there. Uh, But he was able to make it work. And he started in the Chicago area and built his way out around the Midwest. And then of course went global he kind of turned out to be a bit of a dick in the end, <laughs> yeah, which Michael Keaton did. does well, by the way. But it was a good story, oh, yeah. and 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 you know made you think twice about what you know about McDonald's. Going, this mm-hmm. is all like stolen or or you know bought technology. Well, he bought them out, but it was he strong armed them to get there. It wasn't a pleasant ending. <laughs> Give you that. Actually, you know what I think I thought was very interesting was that how he got. He he came up with the uh, the idea that he's not a restaurant company; they are a real estate company. That was and that was the guy who, yeah, that was the other guy who who he hooked yeah. up with, and he became, how, became the yeah, first they, CEO. That's yeah, what made them, around. yeah, that's what changed yeah. their whole model because he was barely surviving on just franchise fees, 
and and the the you know the what was it the one point five percent royalties that they got on a fifteen mm-hmm. on a fifteen cent hamburger. He says you're never going to survive here. What you need to do is buy the land and then lease it to right. the franchisees. And you know what? And if I'm not mistaken, I know somebody. Um, it's a long time ago. He was telling me that he had, and two other people had looked into putting together a, a Taco Bell, uh, and they talk to Taco Bell about a franchise and Taco Bell does exactly that. They, they buy the land. Yep. Uh, they sell you the building to put, I mean, the, the materials. So they, they, they basically drop ship a, a building on there and you run it, but you better have 2 million up front. Easy. You know, yeah. back then it, it was 12,500 to get in a McDonald's starting for your <laughs> franchise fee. Yeah, I calculating know, inflation I wa- to up to today. I know. want to know what he did with those first stores, though, because he already had like half a dozen in motion when he came up with this land ownership idea. Like, hey, you can't go back and say, "I want to buy your land." <laughs> right? Yeah. So it well, was. He it wants was the dirt. Yeah. It was fascinating. So, it really was. It was fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you got to know that there's probably more than likely some Hollywood spin on that to make it a more exciting story than it really was. I feel bad for his original wife though. She was a very conservative person, not a risk taker. And then he latched onto this idea and kind of ran with it. And she's, she's going, well, what about, Hey, what? And he left, he divorced her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To, it was, it was kind of sad in some respects. Uh, The other show that I started watching, it's an eight part series. I've gone through two of them. It's called chromosome 21. It's a story about uh, a murder that happens in Chile. So it's all in Spanish with English subtitles, if you wish. Unless your Spanish is really good, which mine isn't good enough to follow along. Yeah, we. Uh, And the the, the police officers come across this crime scene where somebody's been shot. And they catch a suspect at the scene who's got Down syndrome. Right. And he will not talk. He's either shell-shocked, you know, PTSD into this thing. Uh, or, you know, he's just clamming up because he doesn't want to implicate himself. Yeah, scared. They discover who he is and who his brother is. And this starts to unwind into a really intriguing story. Like, okay, his brother was there. Did his brother shoot him? Or did uh, Tommy, the guy with Down syndrome, did he shoot him? So it's like, ooh, this is getting good. It's it's moving a little slower than I would have expected. But it's an mm-hmm. eight-part series. Again, I'm a quarter way through it. I'm enjoying it. It's called Chromosome 21 because Chromosome 21 is the 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 one that is involved with Down syndrome, right? So they do a little research on that. Uh, but it's got some. They they bring in lots of actors with Down syndrome. Like he's got a girlfriend. He's he has to go to this institution for uh, uh, mentally handicapped, mentally impaired patients, and there's this real. Uh, dynamic situation with Karen, who's kind of the queen bee of this institution, you know, and she she does not like Tommy, <laughs> right? And and they have it out, well, so they're they're playing this battle of, you know, of wills almost, uh, right? So it's I'm finding it entertaining, but you you got to keep up on the captions or you will miss a lot. So be good at oh, reading, yeah, be good at reading captions. Chromosome twenty one on Netflix. Enjoy it very much. Well. By the time you're listening to this show, I got something I'm looking forward to, and that's Picard starting back up. Yes, Picard season three is starting on season Thursday three. the 16th. Yes. And everything that I'm 
seeing people are loving it. Uh, people have had early access to it and seen it. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. That's sounds encouraging to me. And we might as well stick in a plug for our topic is Trek podcast as well. I know. Topic yeah. Is Trek. So, com. so follow us on topic is Trek.com. Go there and we'll be recording at Thursday night. What will be released on Friday. Uh, our podcast on, uh, talking about Picard. And then, um, a couple of things I'm excited for. I saw at the Super Bowl, they played the, uh, the flash yeah. trailer, which I thought looks amazing. So I'm looking forward to that. And guardians of galaxy three. That I saw the commercial uh, with Drax sitting on the couch. It didn't, that did not intrigue me. Well, it is a ta- trailer. So, um, I don't know. I, I love the last two Guardians movies, and I'm looking forward to this one. Oh, yeah. They're always intriguing, but just the trailer was kind of lackluster, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, it is their last outing, and it had kind of a, a slow feel, like emotional feel. It's emotionally heavy, I think. It's Picard's last outing. It's Fast <laughs> and the Furious' last outing. It's, it's Guardians' last outing. Whew. But we're still here. <laughs> whatever that's worth <laughs> let's keep going all right we have a couple in the geek library i you must have snuck these in on the last uh last few minutes because i do not remember, remember oh you didn't I, when i was no, going through this, this afternoon okay yeah, in this stuff. maybe i quit early let's play the geek library thing while i open up a couple links First story is from Radio Sargam, Sargam? Sargam.com.fj. Where's that? Fuji? Fiji? Who knows? Uh, I'm not sure. I think so. About an Idaho man who sets a Guinness World Book of Records by officially stomping on 100 balloons in 22.38 seconds. (laughs) That's faster than four balloons a second. Hey, you got to hang your hat on something, man. (laughs) Whatever it takes. You know, when, know when when he does those team... Team, uh, you know, team building exercise, and they say two truths and a lie. <laughs> yeah. Did I bust a hundred one balloons? Tell some, and... tell us something interesting about yourself. I'm in the Guinness World Book of Records. Oh, That's really? Right. What for? I, I have to say, uh, when I read stuff like that, I see anything that has to do with the Guinness Book. Yep. I I love it because when I growing up, that big I thick. The, I had two copies. Yeah. Yeah, the big thick book. I loved all the little niche categories like. Like this, you know, he stomped a uh, hundred balloons with his feet. I'm like, okay, who, who does that? I guess find out, you know, Craig's dreaming, really digging dreaming big. Yeah. Yeah. One day I'll, I'll be in there for stomping something. balloons or something else. Yeah. Podcasting consecutively for 18 years. All right, we have a story about the Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile. And I think this was our first field assignment for you. Down in South Carolina, yes. you were in Charlotte, and the Wiener Mobile was, was there. I was at work, and they had. Uh, I think if I'm a, if I remember right, uh, when they have the big race uh, in town, like the um, uh, in the at Charlotte, yeah, they block off Tryon Street, and they had like a big festival down there. And so during the lunchtime, there was the I went down there and uh, used my my Dell Axum. And record it, which was basically a PDA 
recorded interview when it turned out all right uh with the lady that ran that was driving the the um the Wienermobile. Well, anyway, so been a theft. It was in Las Vegas and the Wienermobile last week had its catalytic converter stolen. This is an academic uh, academic an, an epidemic. Pandemic? It's an epidemic, epidemic because uh even um like in the near my mountain house all the time I see people getting their muffler stolen or catalytic converter stolen uh cuz people are wanting that copper in there. Yeah, that's what the article says. It's a huge problem, uh, mm-hmm. said what Rodriguez. It's been going on for a couple of years now, last summer especially. It was like two or three months to get one. The repair can be a challenge. In addition to the major part, gasket sensors and sealing the replacement can be tedious. There's gaskets there that you need to reseal the converter, and then there's sensors all along that area to regulate the heat and temperatures of the system. Mm-hmm. Those are gone as well. They tear that apart to get to whatever they want. So it's, yeah, more than 2,600 catalytic converters uh, were stolen or reported stolen in uh, 2022, up to, up from 1894 the previous year. Oh, goody, it's going up. A 72% increase. Yikes. Oh, yeah. It's as crazy. They contain precious metals, including palladium and platinum. And can be turned into quick cash by thieves. Yeah, I'm sorry. I said copper a minute ago. But that's not right. But yeah, the the people are are stealing those things and uh, selling them. And I, I said I, I've seen stories of this every every week. Somebody else is uh, the Wienermobile own. people. It's a it's a sacred sacred place. You don't steal from the Wienermobile. You might as well <laughs> steal from the Pope Mobile too. Don't steal from. The- yeah, don't steal his uh, catalytic converter. Certain certain vehicles you just don't go after the the Pope's catalytic convert. Hey, the the Pope's catalytic converter converts wine into water. No, the other way around. It, it, he's he's probably going to have fuel cells that turn the hydrogen ex- the the water exhaust into wine. <laughs> why why is this water ex- vapor red? Well, it's actually wine. Come right now. I'm it's a Merlot. I'm fo- it's a nice Merlot now. Following behind with a glass. <laughs> <laughs> put a tap on it. All right. That takes us to the end of the show on that humorous moment. Sorry about the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. If you haven't heard of this, you know, you live in a different country and you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's a big vehicle shaped like a giant hot dog in a bun. And that's yeah. what makes it fun. It's been around for 50 years or more. It is pretty cool to see. If you ever get a chance, you can see it. And uh, if I remember right, and we had, I may, I was trying to remember to link up the interview I did. Uh, with them, but uh, what they do is they hire uh, college kids over the summer to drive it around. So if you're a college kid or you know one, it'd be a pretty cool, uh, you know, maybe, summer job. Maybe that could be our retirement. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> what do you do? I drive a wiener around. <laughs> I got the hottest buns in town. <laughs> the fastest buns in town. Fastest buns in town. All right, let's go to the question of the week for next time. What industry do you hope won't exist in 10 years? So in 2033, what do you hope is no longer a thing? The catalytic converter fencing system. <laughs> Could be. How about just gas yeah. internal combustion? Does that run on gas? I don't know. 10 years, that's, that's a pretty tight timeline. Yeah. Hopefully I'll have an all-electric vehicle that will go a decent range by that time. We'll see. 
with fast charging. That's what I want. How about when you pull in your garage and there's a wireless charger under your car? Like a big Qi charger? You know, just funk. You know, just... Could be done. No yeah. reason you can't. Just need enough coils and circuitry. All right, that takes us to the end. Don't forget, if you want to be a patron, you can go over to patreon.com slash technorama podcast. You can get a hold of us in a number of ways. Our voicemail line has been quiet. Text us or call us at 707-530-2428. Craig's going to put that on the screen for you right now. I'm doing it. Email us at technorama at chuckchat.com. You can find our website at chuckchat.com slash technorama. Pretty easy stuff to figure out. Lots of great stories. If you want to go to the show notes for episode 702, follow along, read along, submit stories if you like. You find something weird and interesting on the internet, go, oh, this is right up Technorama's alley. i got to tell them about this. <laughs> yes, dude, that's, please. That's what we see. We appreciate it. And thank you again to all our patrons. Until next time, tell a friend about Technorama and Craig. Give us a binary that's... high five. All right, 101. Thanks, everybody.